0: Uh, But welcome. Good morning. Welcome to City Collective. We're so glad that you're able to be here with us. Thank you for spending the morning with us. Uh, There's lots of things to be excited about. Uh, It's week three of Advent. We've seen a lot of great things going on in our community this past month or so. We've had people serving in different uh, capacities, uh, doing kettles with the Salvation Army. Uh, We've but that's been awesome. But I do want to like, mention this as well, that we've got these two amazing ladies that every single week, and they're going to be mad at me for saying this, uh, that every single Friday they show up here at H.C. Stafford and they give so willingly without expect- expecting any, like, any recognition, anything at all, and uh, they just do it. Week in, week out, and they come and love on these kids. And they're teaching me something about what it really means to be generous, what it really means to give sacrificially of your time and of your energy. And uh, there's a lot that we can learn from even something as simple as like this consistency in our generosity and just showing up over and over and over again. So uh, Bev isn't here today, Holly is, so you get to give her all the love and make sure you just say thank you for just like showing us what it means to be generous. Can we give it up? because this is what the season is right it's supposed to be a season uh, of generosity and this morning we're continuing through our advent season in week 1 we talked about uh Zechariah and Elizabeth and and the the heartache and the disappointment, but also the opportunity in expectation. And last week we talked about the visitation when Gabriel comes comes to see Mary and, and the possibility in that moment of interruption and what happens when God actually interjects himself into our story and how do we respond and what do we see out of those moments. And today we're continuing through Luke chapter 1 and we're, we're going to see what Mary has to say after she goes to visit uh, her cousin Elizabeth. And we're talking today about the idea of, sorry, celebration, and perhaps, uh, perhaps you hear that statement, and you're like, okay, you're kind of jumping the gun, celebration isn't happening until Christmas, but uh, Mary in this moment that we're going to read right now, she decides to celebrate, and I think there's a lot for us to learn in it, so would you turn with me, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56, uh, you can follow along the screen as well. Just to provide a little context, Mary has just received news from the angel Gabriel He's res- and has responded with this resounding, yes, I'm going to follow what you have said. And, and has now gone to go see her cousin Elizabeth, and it's only a few days later, and they have this joyous reunion where Elizabeth speaks so much hope, so much life, so much excitement over Mary, and this is how Mary responds. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever." And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her own home. And it's interesting, this passage, we've seen in less than a chapter, Mary go from this young woman who gets this, this moment with an angel, become a revolutionary in this moment with her cousin Elizabeth. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this moment, for the space, for this place that we get to share. I'm just so grateful that this is an opportunity for us to get to know you more and to see what your word has to say for us. For those traveling different places uh, today and this upcoming week, I just pray that you protect them. For those who are grieving, and this is a season where there's so many different emotions being carried, Jesus, I just pray that you would just be with them and comfort them. And more than anything, in this season when there's so much going on, and there's so much busyness, and so many different distractions, I just pray that we would come to know you. Come to know you more. We're so grateful that you're in our stories. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, question for you this morning. Do you, do you find it difficult to celebrate? Do you find yourself uh, having a tough time celebrating a moment? Perhaps you're like me and you find yourself having a, a good moment and then you have a flood of reasons why you were lucky. It's never going to happen again. You don't deserve it. Or how if you were to celebrate that moment, that you're more concerned about how others would perceive you than actually going through the process of celebrating. It's almost like we're more comfortable with the idea of being disappointed than than what it means to actually celebrate or to be celebrated. And there's this wide spectrum of things that lead us to celebrate. Big things, little things, small things, weird things. Normal things, unplanned things, and the desire to celebrate or even the feeling of joy often comes in these unexpected moments. I know for myself, when I think of, of celebration, there's always this like context of music around it. And and music is a powerful thing because it invokes emotion. It it draws us back to spaces where we've heard a song or, or had a memory or, or made a relationship or had a connection take place. We've all had these, these songs that when you hear them played, it takes you back to a spot. But there is a song that is played in every household around the world, in every nation, it, through all seasons of the year, it is played perhaps right now, somewhere, some, someplace, and it is the song Happy Birthday, and I hate that song. I hate Happy Birthday with a passion. Um, and, and I can say this really honestly because if anyone has ever celebrated a birthday with me, I am never more uncomfortable and unsure of what I am doing with my life than I am in that moment where someone decides to sing me happy birthday. It has gotten to the point where I'm I'm a fairly comfortable, confident individual in most schemes of life, but when it comes to those moments where we're celebrating happy birthday, there's a cake in front of me, there's a candle, and there's a group of people who are very kind in that moment, and they decide we're going to sing them happy birthday. I am never more uncomfortable than in that moment. I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what my face should be doing. I don't know where I should be looking. I'm like, am I clapping for myself? Like, what am I doing? It's like the most uncomfortable experience I could possibly have. So I hate happy birthday with a passion. And, and I don't know why I have trouble experiencing it in that moment. But it's like this moment of celebration where their intentions towards me are good. I think some of them have gotten to the point where they can't wait to see me in that situation every year. They're just like, they're going to... Sing multiple moments of happy birthday. They're gonna like at the beginning of the party, halfway through the party, at the end of the party, just so they can like catalog these moments of discomfort in my life, uh, because they take so much joy in it. But they're still my friends, and we're working through it. But there are these these moments that we have where we just we suffer from the ability inability to celebrate, despite. Uh, our best intentions. Despite other people's best intentions, we had this inability to celebrate, to experience joy as God has designed for us. Because the song, Happy Birthday, it isn't, it isn't a malicious one. Uh, it isn't meant to invoke terror, uh, and it isn't designed to make me look like a bumbling fool, unsure of what to do with my own two hands. Uh, it's to make me feel celebrated, and it's meant to celebrate others when, when I sing it, and and when we are in the process of celebration, though celebration—the way we think about it—kind of carries this heavy, materialistic, ritualistic overtone at its core, at its most distilled state. Celebration is meant to be a space where joy is found, where joy is involved. And joy is something that God desires for us. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. He doesn't say no one will take your life from you. He doesn't say no one will take your purpose from you or that no one will take your passion from you. He says that no one will take your joy from you because you were and you are designed to To experience joy. Joy is the promise of God for our lives. And the promises of God are the foundation for our celebration. Yet, it's a nice thing to say, it is not always the reality. Far from it. As I've been preparing through the Advent season and preparing for for this Sunday and and reading through different things, I was confronted by the fact that I see this in my own life, and, and and I know this is the case for many of those around me, that there is a disconnect between our anticipation of celebration and our actual ability to celebrate. And this disconnect creates a reality in our lives where joy and genuine celebration is an aberration and disappointment and criticism is the norm. And because we do actually desire those moments, we do... We do desire to have joyful moments. We want to enjoy life. We want to celebrate. We, we desire these things. And because we do want those things, we lower our level of anticipation and expectation in order to celebrate a moment. It's like when you hear about a movie that's really, really good. Uh, like, I, I had such high expectations, James Bond, Quantum of Solace. It was like, I I was ready for this movie. I was pumped with the boys, expectations sky high. I have never been more disappointed in a movie in my life. And perhaps it was because my expectation was so high that it got to that place. But then on the flip side of things, Venom comes out. Everyone is talking about how awful of a movie it is. I got zero expectation going into this, this situation. I had a blast watching this movie. And this is, this is something that we understand. I'm not speaking, I'm not saying things that you don't know. That you're like, I don't, want to, I don't want to expect anything. You've said that before. I, I, I don't want to get my expectations up. I don't want to anticipate anything just in case it doesn't live up to that expectation. Just in case it isn't all that it's cooked up to be. Because I, if, I, if I over anticipate, if I over expect in this moment, I'm not going to be able to actually enjoy it. And, and what we do is that in our self-awareness, we, we manipulate situations so that we can manufacture joy in this false way. And, and we actually rob ourselves from the fullness of joy that is possible when anticipation is coupled with the reality of the moment. Because if you had moments in your life where you are, you're anticipating something and then it does actually live up to it, how much more beautiful is that moment when it all comes together? When celebration and, and, and joy isn't simply a moment, but it was an experience that you got to walk through. Now, I don't mention the idea of celebration to, to shame you into it, that you got, like, you got to make sure that you celebrate the person next to you, or you've got to make sure that you go home, ump, up the ante on your Christmas list, uh, you got to make the place look better. I'm not trying to shame you into that. Bigger parties, nicer gifts, that's not the goal. But I think we need to talk about it because the truth of the matter is is that celebration is hard. That celebrating a season, a moment, or a person is not always as simple as your latest Hallmark Christmas special makes it out to be. Because I believe this. I believe that the idea of celebration and joy is one of the most powerful tools that we have been given to live in this world through both the difficult and the delightful moments in our life. And when we don't recognize and embrace those two elements, we are robbing ourselves from experiencing what life truly has to offer. And that's why I find this passage with Mary so powerful. Because Mary is celebrating before Jesus has even arrived. And her, in, in many ways, her, her celebration can almost seem presumptive. This, this passage of scripture that we read this morning is called the Magnificat. And it's, it comes from the first word in the fourth century Latin translation of the Bible known as the Vulgate. You can keep that one. So it's a great little Christmas trivia bit. <laughs> but the Magnificat simply means to magnify, which is how the song begins mary says my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior for god has been mindful of the humble state of god's servant and we see that there has been a shift inside of mary it's clear that it's not simply the fact that the holy spirit has come upon her that she's now pregnant but the power of the Holy Spirit has caused a shift inside of her. One that has made her respond differently in this moment than many would in this situation. Because here's the thing. The angel has just come to her and has completely interrupted her world. And she has said, yes, yes. We talked about that last week, the power of sometimes simply saying yes to the interruption of God, not knowing perfectly what's going to come in the days to come, but just saying yes. And she's done that. But this song happens not long after, and she she isn't just simply saying yes in this moment, but she's actually celebrating the journey that the yes is taking her on. How many of you know that it's one thing to agree to walk in obedience and it's something completely different to celebrate what you've agreed to walk in? I know I'm talking to some people this morning when I say this because it's, talking to, it's, it's in my own story that I struggle with this. That we've become so fixated on the idea of sacrifice or willingness or grandeur in our yes that we have become entitled in our journey after it. Have you said yes to the idea of following Jesus, but have been unable to celebrate the steps that you are walking in now? Because Mary's situation hasn't improved. This is just a few days later. This hasn't been a prolonged period of time. She got the news Fully aware of the repercussions. She's likely rejected and bullied and ridiculed by her community. Her reputation is probably destroyed. Her betrothal is on the rocks. It's even possible that things have gotten worse since the angel has visited her. Matthew 1.19 talks about Joseph had made the decision in his heart to actually divorce her. We don't know the exact timeline, but it's possible that at this moment in the story, Mary is now even without without a husband in this scenario. Things may have gotten worse, and yet we find Mary making the decision to celebrate. That joy was coming out of her still. To say yes in in your story is one thing, but to celebrate the steps that follow that something is completely different. It's like when we agree to help someone move, and then we're grumbling about it the entire time. Or you say yes to serving somewhere, and the entire time, all you can do is criticize what's going on. This is what we are prone to do. Sometimes we, we're good at the yes part, but we struggle with the idea of celebrating. We, we feel entitled in the moment because we feel we sacrificed in the yes. And when Mary speaks, there's something very interesting going on. She does something that we don't normally do, and she's able to celebrate. But there's, there's a foundation here that we can learn from. When Mary speaks, there's something spectacular happening because she proclaims using the language of Israel's illustrious history. There are no less than eight quotes from the Psalms and from the prophet Isaiah woven into her poem. And in many ways, that alone teaches us something. It teaches us that it's really important to read, to listen, to learn, and and in particular, to to engage with, with creative narratives such as poetry because there are times when you will need someone else's words to express what is happening in your story. And when you can access someone else's artistry to help you, that is a gift. And Mary sings, she says, My soul magnifies the Lord and generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. That's Psalm 118. He has brought down the ruler Psalm 75 he has exalted the humble Psalm 113 he has filled the hungry Psalm 34 and he has helped his servant remembering to be merciful Psalm 98 and and these declarations these words they're not just simply an obligation that she has to say in this moment but they're a signal of an understanding of a foundation within her she's talking about bringing down kings about humbling rulers about lifting up the brokenhearted about feeding the hungry because when grace is received when love is recognized it transforms us from the inside out we can't stay the same It may not change every situation around us, but it transforms everything within us. You can't think the same. You can't talk the same. You can't, pr- you can't have your priorities the same. Your passions now align with his. Your values are altered. And if you believe that Jesus is in you and it doesn't change you to look more like him, to carry the heart that he carries, to prioritize the things that he does, are we really letting God of the universe into our lives or are we simply recognizing a moral way of life worth considering when it's most convenient for us? When we, when we decide to say yes, and we truly decide, when we allow grace to be part of our story, it changes us. And it may not change everything around us, but it definitely changes the way we respond to what is around us. Mary has recognized that joy is a promise. And it's the same for you and for me. That joy is a promise of God in our lives. And the promises of God are the foundation for our celebration. When the promises of God are our foundation, it births this celebration that partners with God's intention for the world. And what Mary is saying here is that all the promises of God in her life, promises of peace of provision, of nearness, of grace, of love, promises of purpose, all of those things she had heard in her life up to this point, all of it is just as true in this moment right here, right now. In her uncertainty, in her doubt, in her distress, in her pain, in her fear, if she was ever going to be able to live up to this title of being the mother to the Messiah— those promises remained more true than ever. Because if our experiences and our feelings are our foundation of our celebration, we will always be found wanting. But in this incredible moment in the text, Mary shows us that celebration and joy is possible in the most harrowing of situations. And the words which act as a foundation for her celebration are born from the promises of God. Now suddenly all of the experiences and feelings that she's experiencing, and rightfully so, these are, these are real things. I'm not advocating for a complete abandonment of reality and to not pay attention to the real worlds happening around us. I'm just saying that there's a greater truth that we have to lean on when we become Aware of the foundation in the truth of the, in the promises of God as our truth, because the thing about joy is joy is joy is nonsensical. Joy doesn't really make a ton of sense a lot of the time, and and when we respond with joy, joy is like I can't control the way that I want to respond, and even though it makes me laugh funny and I laugh ugly, I cannot help it. And it's this thing that we do in these moments where joy just kind of pours out of us. There's this, there was this photo, this meme photo, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that was going, going through the interwebs, and uh, I, if you can toss the photo up on the screen. So this photo was uh, shown to our friend Derek at one point, and uh, it changed his life. Uh, Every time for a period of about two weeks this photo was shown, Derek would be in tears laughing at this photo. It could be such a solemn moment and you could show show him this photo and joy would pour out of him through his tear ducts. And it would be like this moment that would just overwhelm him over and over again. And I saw the photo, and it's a funny photo. Sure, you brought a bear to a doggy daycare. It's, it's funny. It's, it's cute. It's, it's a funny photo. But it didn't just hit him as a funny photo. It, it invoked this response that was nonsensical. It didn't make sense. You could take it off the screen. No one's going to look at me if we uh, keep that up there. <laughs> because you can't. You can't commercialize and manufacture authentic joy. Joy is is something that just bursts out of you when we encounter those true moments that cause us to laugh, to shout, to run, to scream, to to, to make noise when we don't know what we're really doing. And, And Frederick Buechner, he says this, he says that joy is a mystery because it can happen anywhere. Anytime, even under the most unpromising circumstances, even in the midst of suffering, with tears in its eyes, even nailed to a tree. Joy may be a mystery, but Mary has a foundation in her life which prepares her to respond. What time we got? Okay. Can't teach you one more thing. We're, we're, there's, there was a moment I had this week that. Uh, i listen to music in in an odd manner, and perhaps some of you are like me and then, if so, stay strong. Um, I listen to songs that I enjoy on repeat to an excessive degree uh to the point that people around me uh are are concerned for for my well being and my health to to the point um I was staying at a friend's house in calgary, and i I stayed at their place overnight and uh Woke up in the morning, was listening to the song of the, of the moment that was on repeat. And I had it playing in my ears. I didn't want to disturb them, but I wasn't aware that I was just like humming it. And I was humming it really loud. And it was at like the, this perfect frequency that went through the walls and into their bedroom. And uh, that was the moment when they realized that they hated that song. And, and forevermore, they have hated that song and it's kind of become my M.O. that I listen to music in, in, in this odd manner. But I, I will say this, that I think that listening to music or song, songs on repeat is one of the ways that you truly discover like, the beauty within the song. That you, you actually hear things a little bit differently every single time. When you're, on a, when you're on a road trip, who's the most important person in the car? person with the aux cord right? Person who's uh, the passenger seat. They've got all the power. They drive the atmosphere. They set the tone in the car. And so uh, I've got these chairs. I'm just going to grab them. Put them side by side. Perfect. So in the driver's seat of the car, we have somebody who has the aux cable, and they've got a lot of power in this moment. You've given it to them. Great power comes great responsibility. It's, it's an important moment in in, the, in your journey, and and the music that's being played is 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 vital to the health that's in the car. And uh, I was listening to a song this week, and I heard like I, I was listening it over and over again, and and I heard different things each and every time. And there was a different part that kind of stuck out to me, or a different word that resonated within my spirit, or or something that was that was continuously being pointed out to me. And then I had this picture of, of this car situation that we are driving in this car of life. And outside of us, outside of the car is like this storm. And it's kind of like this hurricane all around us where the reality of life is is chaotic and we're unsure about it. and, And it's pushing in all around us and then we've got we've got jesus in the seat beside us and he's kind of hanging out and he's got the ox cable he's got this he, he he's he's got a really good playlist and so you've decided to give him the ox cable you you trust him big trust and so uh there's three different peop- types of people that kind of sit in the car uh, there's there's the individual who sits in the car, and they, they know that Jesus is there, and they know that the storm's outside, but they've done their part. They've rolled up the windows. They've got two hands on, on, on the wheel. They've got control, but Jesus is in the situation, and they're just going to pl- turn up the volume every once in a while when they kind of feel like it, uh, and then there's like a second second type of individual that uh, has hasn't done anything to pull the windows down, and there's like wind and rain and chaos crashing in from the outside into their situation and Jesus is sitting over there and he's just like roll up the window it's gonna be okay and then there's the third person that isn't even aware that the windows aren't rolled down isn't even aware that Jesus isn't in the car and they're only used to the chaos of the outside being on the inside but there's something that happens to the atmosphere within a space when, when we hear music as it's meant to be. And it, and it teaches us something and it shows us something. So I'm going to have us do something a little bit odd. And this might feel uncomfortable. But if you could pause with me, we're going to listen to a song. And I want you just to, if you want, close your eyes and just listen carefully. Go ahead. So it's the voice, it's it's the cello, it's the piano, it's it's the rhythm, it's the harmony. It's all these pieces that make up this, this beautiful song. And the first time that you hear a song, there's often one thing that you remember. And this is kind of how I likened it to the promises of God that we hear. That we hear that Jesus loves you, that he's madly in love with you. And we remember that. And we remember how that makes us feel in a moment. But it seems like it applied to the season that we're in. That the promise of God was specific to this season. But in in some ways, I think that Jesus wants to be the guy in the passenger seat playing his promises on repeat in our story. Because sometimes we have to hear it again. And maybe when we heard the cello the first time and it made, something, it made something make sense in that season, we needed to hear the words the second time. We needed to hear the piano the third time. We needed to catch the rhythm of it on the fourth time. And every single time when we hear the promises of God and the simple statement that you are mad, that he is madly in love with you, that every single time it mean, might mean something a little different, might capture you in a different way, Because this is what happens when we make the promises of God our foundation. Is that regardless of the season, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of the realities around us, the promises of God speak directly into our current space. That every bit of it is always playing. But sometimes we just need a part of it. And sometimes we need to hear it over and over and over again just to catch it. Just to hear that simple statement as he desires us to hear that he is madly in love with you. And that you can find joy in that truth in any season. That Mary provides us this amazing truth that doesn't matter what is going on around you, joy is still possible celebration is still possible it's it's really hard to do when our joy and our celebration is based out of our experiences and our circumstances but it becomes a consistent narrative in our story when it is founded in the promise of God that you are unconditionally loved that you are forever seen that hope is on your side That you are known when you feel unknown. That you are found when you feel lost. That you are loved when you feel unloved. That you are fought for when you feel forgotten. Those promises never stop playing in that car. They never stop in your story. Jesus doesn't try to play the promise, and then when we don't listen, he turns it off. No, he's that annoying, persistent tone that no matter what you do, the minute you turn up the volume just a little bit, you're going to hear that truth that you are loved. And when you get love in you, when you understand that the foundation of your life can be that you are unconditionally loved, that's when your response changes. Mary does something pretty impossible here. Where it doesn't make sense, she responds with joy. And it seems outside of our grasp. Perhaps this Christmas season's a hard one. That you can't think of reasons to be joyful. Or perhaps you have to manufacture joy just to get through it. The possibility of joy is available to you, not because you manufacture it, but because it is freely given to you through the grace and love of Jesus Christ. That when we discover him, those things are possible. Joy is possible. Celebration is possible. And he wants you to discover it, but he's not going to force it upon you. He wants us to say yes, and then he wants us to celebrate in the journey that he takes us on. Not because it's easy, not because it makes sense, not because we have every single thing that we could have ever wanted to make it happen, but because he is with us. And the same truth that we said yes to at the beginning that he loves us, remains the same through every season. So if joy is a struggle, if celebration is a struggle, let me tell you that you are in good company, That we are a people that often get so fixated on our issues and our problems and our experiences or the world around us beats us down to the point that we don't think that we even should feel celebration and joy. But perhaps the greatest testimony of hope that you can be in this Christmas season is to bring joy and celebration everywhere you go to the point where people are asking why because it doesn't seem fake. Why, why are you so excited and joyful and full of life in this season when, when I'm struggling? Well, it's because I, I, I know this, that in the midst of it all, I am unconditionally loved. And if we can capture that for ourselves, imagine what would happen on the inside of us. Your priorities would change. Your values would change. The way you treat people, the way you treat yourself, the way that you go about your day would change. When we understand that the foundation of all that we do is that we are loved. And if you notice, I'm saying that you are loved a lot. (laughs) Because that is the song that is on repeat. That is the promise that is going to forever be undergirding the story of your life. And you need to hear it. That when things are great and life is moving forward, he, still, he loves you. And when life is hard and it doesn't seem possible, he loves you. And when you've made a mistake and you feel like you've gone too far, he loves you. And when you doubt and you're uncertain if he's even there, he still loves you. What an incredible truth to build our life upon, to respond in situations out of. Joy is possible even when it doesn't make sense. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for this moment and this space, for this opportunity to come before you and to respond with joy. Thank you that you give us these opportunities. And I just pray that our hearts aren't manufacturing it or forcing it and and trying to fake it so we make it. But Jesus, that it is a response from a revelation. A revelation of God with us. So in these seasons that we've gone through, when we've struggled to celebrate, Jesus, I just pray that we, we, we discover your grace in that. That even when we didn't celebrate, you continued to have that song of love playing in behind us. That just as Mary had all these truths to build that foundation upon which she was able to respond, you give us those truths today of love, of hope, of peace, of joy, of purpose, of passion. Those are all gifts that you've given to us that we can lay as foundation for our life. So in this next two weeks, when we go through moments that maybe we don't want to celebrate or maybe don't feel so joyful, I pray that we just are so encountered and overwhelmed by the truth and the reality of your love. And that we can do nothing but respond in such a way that shows that love to the people around us shows that love to ourselves. Wherever we might be, thank you that you meet us there. Thank you that you are always sitting in that car with us. Thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. We're grateful that this space is for you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. been so, so good good. to me, for I took a breath.